Oh, boy. So what are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking bourbon again. I got about half a bottle left. I got a 1.75 a couple weeks ago. You're so classy. I am. It's good. Man, I'm on vacation. So I oh, wanted to nice. treat myself. What'd you get? So I got that uh I got that Jim Beam apple flavor. Ooh, and that sounds really good. Mix it uh like half and half with ginger ale, so it makes this apple soda. Yeah, I've, I've had yeah, that's just it's a little sweet, but it's it's really good. It's really sweet. Um, but I I love apple. Mm-hmm. Oh man. I like the oh, fucking speaking of apple. Best apple the other see day. Yeah. The latest uh, My Little Pony trailer. No, I did not. You you went to a different direction. I thought you were going to talk about like the new iPhone thing that cost like a thousand goddamn dollars. No, I, uh, that was the joke. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're, on, we're on the same page. I love it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, on that phone, pass. Yeah, I, I, I haven't actually like, seen what? it. I heard like the a radio station being like, it's really expensive. Like, well, that's hooray. the only thing to talk about. Like, it doesn't do anything new that like redefines what phones are, right? It's like there's facial recognition. It's like, it, yeah, didn't the iPad have that? I the radio I DJs know. like, well, Apple way to make Apple fans look even douchier. Now they have to look at their phone to use it. Just like stare at it. <laughs> And then I guess it charges wirelessly, so there's no plug-in bit or something. I didn't even How look that close. How the fuck does that work? What kind of wizard horseshit is this? Well, that's not new technology, though. You can go get, like, an adapter you where do, it's like, like you put have it... this pad and you just put your electronics on it. Yeah, I guess I've seen those before. So now it's built into the thing. Pay us $1,000. Man, I wish I had a year on my phone because it's got to be, like, eight years old. Just a shitty little slidey flip phone kind of thing. I love it. Apple can't spy on me. I like flip phones. I do too. M- Motorola's bringing back the Razer. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's you should like, get it. Nah, I should get one. And I can cut myself with it. It's a Razer. It's just. It's really funny how they have to bring back flip phones because of the demand. Yeah, it's like the last time I was like eligible for like a free phone through my my provider. I go in and it's just like all smartphones. It's like I don't want a smartphone. It's like, oh, you sure you're the age group to get a smartphone? It's like I don't want to fucking want a smartphone. <laughs> <laughs> I like I'm gonna I'm gonna keep my shitty ass phone because it works. People prank call me apparently. We've started right. Oh yeah, yeah. We oh yeah. This is the show. Mm-hmm. Oh, speaking of show, this is Opinions Are Cheap. I'm Cameron, and this is my friend, Chad. Hi, everybody. That's We've been Chad talking for, for four minutes. How'd that prank call go? Okay, so the prank call was... Let me set the stage. I was reading a book, and the book involved uh, characters driving really fast to a scene and not driving well because they were driving real fast to the mm-hmm. climax, right? So my phone rings, and it's a, it's a, a an area code I recognize, so I'm thinking, well, maybe it's someone from work. Guy's like, hey, this is the courthouse state or whatever. We, uh, You have some overdue bills. And I'm thinking, well, there's been a snafu with our gas company because I rent. And they won't send me the bill. They send the person who owns the house the bill who hasn't sent it to me in like half a year. So I haven't paid a gas bill in a long time. And I was like, oh, this has to be that. 
no one's paying the gas bill. He's like, yeah, you have some outstanding uh, some traffic violations. I'm like, that can't be true. Also, I realize you just didn't, you haven't said my name or where I live yet, so this is probably bullshit, but I'll continue. And then all of a sudden he's like, yeah, you have, a, you have this, uh, this citation for being a really shitty driver. Um, it says you, you suck at driving and you're really stupid. And so he keeps going on and I, I, I go on the line, I start Googling the phone number. Because the voice sounded really familiar. Actually, it sounded like you. And I'm like, yeah, there's no way it can be Cameron, though, because he's a lot more clever than this. I feel like you would have gone in a really fucking strange direction. And then by the time I, I also found the phone number... my voice, I'd be, hello, I, I, hello, I am, I am grandfather. I am ill, dying. Ooh, ooh, my, ooh, you help, you save me now. You nailed you it. You know it's me. Yeah. But, uh... By the time Google's like, we can't find that phone number unless you pay us money, he had hung up. And I was like, how weird was it that he called while I was about a car as I was reading about cars? So going back to the uh, the phones don't spy on you, are you sure your flip phone's so safe? I don't know, because I don't talk, I, I mean, I didn't mention anything about reading a book unless it can, like, really see into my head in a way that shouldn't be possible, but I don't know, and I'm kind of well, worried about it. I should take the battery out when I'm not using it. This is Trump's America. Yeah. The water's turning the frogs gay. Maybe my phone's spying in my brain. So what did uh what did you want to talk about? We're <laughs> we're like six minutes in. <laughs> well, I thought we were going to talk you about adaptations. You had a really good subject this week. Yeah, uh, we did. Oh um, yeah. I don't actually believe the water's turning the frogs gay. Just for the record, that's making a joke about some stupid shit. <laughs> yeah, okay. I feel like this is the internet, and people. Yeah, people get so upset about shit. I feel like I have to like walk on eggshells with some of that. We have like four subscribers, so I won't worry about it. Hi, four subscribers. That. That sounds that sounds fair. Okay, but yeah. I wanted to talk about, I guess, adaptations, video games to movies, books to movies, movies to video games. Mostly if we wanted movies. to, mostly movies. Yeah, I mean, let's let's see how much we fit. I feel like there's a lot of stuff to talk about here, right? But uh, specifically, because you just saw it, right? I did. Do you want to give like a little tiny review to get us started? Sure. Um. So I thought it was a really solid movie. The acting what was, was a solid movie. Huh. This is going to be a problem, isn't it? <laughs> no, Fuck. stop. God damn you, Stephen King. So the movie the, the movie was pretty good. The, the, the casting was perfect. The acting was phenomenal. All the kids were great. And it's like, these kids are going to have really long careers if, if this is what they can do now. Um, I really liked how they handled Pennywise. I thought they were... Really good stuff there. Uh, Dairy was great. Some of like the dread that's in the book was definitely there. And all my problems really with the movie come from the things it failed to adapt or the things it changed. And I'm left going, is that fair? Because that's a 1,400-page fucking book. And there's only so much you can do in two hours. And that's what kind of got you thinking about adaptations, right? Yeah. Um because there comes now, a point where think, you... uh, do you think about the second movie is going to be just as good? I hope so. I feel like the the writers and the directors more or less understand what the the book is about and like the spirit of the book. Um, people are worried because the adult section and the, and the book is is not quite as interesting as the kid section. Um, but it sounds like there's going to be a lot of flashbacks in part two. They've already kind of confirmed that, which also has me a little worried because it's like, if you're going to split it up, just fucking split it up. 
Um, at the same time, do you though, think I, it really, I, I don't know. Do you think it needed to be split up like at all? Um, there, there are enough kind of like mini climaxes throughout the book that they probably could have ended somewhere in the middle on, on a, a, a big enough scene to, to cliffhanger into the, you know, the next part. The thing is, is the back and forth in the book between the past and present works really well as a book. I don't know how well that would work as a movie. Um, cause you don't have the words on the page basically telling you this is what's happening and this is why we're doing it. It makes sense. Roll with it. You know, you have to somehow visually get that across and I can see that being difficult. Okay. I haven't seen it yet. Just to clarify. Okay. Do you want me to avoid spoilers then? No, not at all. Okay. Um, but yeah, it got me, it got me thinking, you know, at, at a certain point when you're adapting a, a very long book, what, you know, what makes a good adaptation, uh, is it, you know, getting it one-to-one, or is it making changes that are maybe for the better, but keeping the spirit of the thing, which is mostly what it did, but I think some of the changes were not for the better. And that's where I'm kind of left in this back-and-forth white people problem. You there? I'm making sounds. You are. <laughs> I, think I, I think I maybe started drinking before the show. And I don't remember. Well, you are on vacation. Vacation time. So, I mean, because you you suggested, I think, last week that we talk about adaptations. And I what I immediately went to was how do you define adaptation? Because there seems to be some debate there. Mm-hmm. Um, like, how, how do you define adaptation to film? Like, what, what qualifies if it's good or bad? I feel like you almost have to get the intention of the book or, like, the point of the book needs to be, or of the of the medium needs to be there. Because you might have to change stuff to, to fit what you're adapting, which is fine. But as long as that, like, the point of it's there, in this case with it, it's kids overcoming trauma and fear by, you know, the certain somewhat with the power of friendship with some, you know, it's just like overcoming your fear to literally kill fear kind of thing. And that was in the movie. And so they did that right. Um, and then, so in that case, maybe some of the details are a little inconsequential, but then you get like Beverly gets kidnapped and they have to go save her. She becomes a damsel in distress. And it's like, that was fucking not in the book. And that just seemed really unfair to her character. Uh, Cause she is so much better than the person that they have to go save. And so then it's like, okay, well, maybe they don't get everything then if they're doing that as there is a change they made. Right. What I what I always hear in uh, online debates is when people seem to nitpick the little changes and they don't look at what the point of the story was. They always kind of bring up the one thing that the the movie changed and then they'll say this is a bad adaptation. But I, yeah. I think I'm with you where what really matters is the intent, right? Yeah. I, it, with, with horror, especially, like, if you go, if you're going in like, oh, I can't wait to see all of these big jump scares that were in the book put to screen. I mean, they're not scary then. Like, Georgie getting his arm ripped off in the movie wasn't scary because we all knew it was going to happen. And so, to me, I'm, like, smiling really wide as this kid is screaming and bleeding on the ground and Pennywise drags him into a sewer. Because, for the most part, 
that's in the book. It changed a little bit, like he didn't get dragged into the sewer, but you know, the the, the thing is there, and it's like hooray. And so like when they change kind of like Stan, one you know, one of the characters, his kind of thing that jump scare fear thing around, like that was really freaky because I didn't see it coming. Because all of a sudden, like, oh, this wasn't in the book. This is this is new, but it's a good thing because if you're going one to one, that can kind of I think that can kind of take you out of it because now you're looking at how faithful it's being if it's really trying too hard to be one to one. And I don't think you can be one to one because a book is not a visual medium. Right? Right. Like, there's going to be things that change. Uh, you don't get music in a book. You don't get, uh, you know, scenic valleys. Like, Tolkien can spend a page describing grass, but Peter Jackson is not going to zoom in on the grass real quick to make sure you appreciate it. You right. Know? And I, I think. So it's almost, you know, it almost demands change when you change the medium like that. Mm hmm. And I mean, I guess the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit are maybe good examples to talk about where I feel like the Lord of the Rings movies are very good adaptations of the books. A lot of things, you know, met the cutting room floor because those are very long books. And then you look at the Hobbit where they took a short book and made it into three fucking movies. And now you're maybe yeah, losing little... the spirit of the Hobbit because it's not this big felt... epic thing. <laughs> that felt very corporate to, uh, yeah. to say, oh, you like the last trilogy? Well, we'll make another trilogy. That'll make you happy. And I think with The Hobbit, like, there's maybe just enough in that book to do two movies that are, like, hour and 45, two hours long, if you're going to be really faithful. I, but actually, three movies of, like, over two hours is horseshit. Well, yeah, I mean, I heard that they were going to be two movies. And at some point, they, like, did a rewrite thing, and there was, like... I, it sounds like the production of that film got really messy mm -hmm. which is a shame I think because some corporate people got like big dollar signs in their eyes or something yeah and it's a shame because I, I saw the first movie and i saw parts of the second and the first movie was was pretty good like they had it was maybe longer than it needed to be but i feel like tonally it really matched the the book you know those doors were singing there was a lot of fun the fight with the goblins didn't really feel all that dangerous it was more of a kind of a you know, this zany fantasy action thing. Yeah, it was um, a fun adventure. Yeah, and, I, and then I know what I saw of the second movie was a lot darker, and I'm guessing the third one's probably, you know, extra dark to try and match more of the tone with The Lord of the Rings. It sort of did, but there were these redeeming moments that I thought kind of... I mean, it, it probably would have been better if they were cut into two movies, and maybe trimmed down a little bit. Sure. But there were just, um, the third one had a lot of extra stuff that was not in the books. Yeah. Like talking about adaptations, I think Lord of the Rings was a good adaptation. And then Hobbit was maybe a little poorer. Mm hmm. It's funny. I know Lord of the Rings, they cut the Tom Bombadil scenes. And, yeah. He's uh, out. Yeah. And I, I feel like that was for the better. Like the first third of that book, definitely moves at its own fucking pace and it's charming but christ you get to a point where you're like just get to moria please get to moria i want to want to see you kill some people mm -hmm. i mean harry potter is another one too you could talk about because for the most part those movies were fairly faithful to the books until the books started getting really fucking long and now they gotta they gotta make cuts 
And I remember being, the last one was two movies, right? Yeah, and I feel like that was for the better. Like they managed to squeeze a ton yeah. of shit in that way. Like that was a good idea. And I then everyone that, started. Uh, doing yeah, it. I agree with you there. And it was really that's it's a weird series because you see the actors grow up in real time. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of. Um, I, I remember going to the premiere for uh for the very last um Deathly Hollows Part Two. And before the movie started, they did a little behind the scenes about the first movie, like when they were doing casting. So it's going all the way back to the Sorcerer's Stone, but also a year before they started filming and they're trying to pick the kids and they had a test read for the main three kids. So seeing them even younger than I've ever seen them before in the goofy costumes. And it was like, it was kind of weird seeing them grow up and become super sad sure it was it was strange like i'm glad that they're kind of turning careers around and they're not like this <laughs> this series could have ruined their lives because you know how child actors go but they're kind of they're okay yeah i've listened to the interviews with uh daniel radcliffe and, and like he's really happy because he's like i'll never be in anything as big as harry potter which is really freeing because it means i can be in whatever the fuck i want oh yeah and he's great um did you see him in harry potter like the they did a uh, a Saturday Night Live skit after the movie ended. No, I don't. See, I don't think I saw that. And he, it was um, it was like at the school, and they're introducing the new kids in, and then Harry Potter just hangs out around the school, even though he graduated, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of sad that he's like reliving his glory days, kind of. Sure. And it's like, oh wow, it's Harry Potter. He's he's the chosen one. Like, yep, he's he's still here. Mm-hmm. Man, I wouldn't want to go to that school if he was there. He brings danger. Well, it's like Malfoy drops off his kid and says, Hey, Potter, uh, my daughter was saying that she saw you out in the Quidditch field um, pretending to make cheering noises while you were running around holding a broom. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun, man. You, sh- you should come out sometime. And he's like, nah, I'm, nah, I'm good. <laughs> but Daniel Radcliffe does a great job. He, he has just the right perspective on where he's at and i really i'm happy for him for that yeah and then what is it emma watson has been at a bunch of stuff lately and she's in beauty and the beast she was good in that i never saw that I, i've been kind of meaning to just as i like disney movies yeah i didn't want to see it but uh, uh somebody i think it was my sister-in-law really convinced me to give it a try and the the trailer looked like it was just a cosplay convention where they're just purposefully recreating scenes. Yeah. And it's like, ah, that feels lazy, but the movie was actually really good. Hmm. There's a there's a couple new songs. Yeah, I heard people complain about the music, partly because there was new stuff, and I guess Emma Watson maybe isn't the best singer, and so there's a lot of like processing on her voice. Yeah, I disagree. I thought the songs were good. Oh, and the new good. ones... The, at least the Beast has a new one that's actually really emotional. Oh, nice. And it's like, oh, this actually made the movie better. Part of my problem, too, was with the, the Beast wasn't as hot as he was in the cartoon version. I was like, oh, come on, I can't furry fept that. Well, you're not supposed to. He's supposed to be scary. That's the point. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> speaking of making it better, though, are there any adaptations where like, it went from book to movie and then the movie made it better i've heard jaws is one of those i've never read the book oh that's a that's a good one 
I was thinking Jurassic Park, but I haven't read that book either. Um, for a Stephen King I, thing. I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. What well, the Mist? I don't know if you've seen that movie. Oh, um, okay, that's one. From from what I've never read the book. From what I've heard, it's a fairly faithful adaptation of the book until the very end scene. The last scene of the the movie is is very different, and it's fucking spectacular for it. Um, if you haven't seen it, I, I won't spoil it, but it, yeah, you you should go see The Mist, everyone. That's a really really solid horror movie. But they, uh, they, they, Cujo. they, they oh, I've never seen the movie. I, I did read the book. Cujo I didn't think the, the book movie, was very good. I think, yeah, the the movie is very very loyal to the book, except the ending. But they do a good job, I think. That's a good adaptation. I feel like that's... The reason that didn't maybe work as a book, but would work as a movie, is because the concept... It's so grounded for Stephen King that it never really felt scary. It was just like, oh, these people are trapped inside a car and there's an asshole dog outside for 300 pages. Yeah, maybe. That's that's a fair point. Ugh. Ugh. Um... Let's see, I'm trying to think of some others. Cause I know I know the, the, the one that we might have contention on is The Shining. Oh, okay. Do you want to talk about The Shining? Uh, sure. And for the record, it's been a bit since I've seen the movie or read the book. Um, but I, I still have opinions. Which are cheap. Yeah, put that on a t-shirt. Um, because... I know the when it comes to horror movies, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining is held in very high regard. And I suppose it's a good horror movie, but I thought it was a very bad adaptation of the book. And I couldn't get past it. I think uh I think you and my dad have a lot in common. <laughs> like you would probably agree on every single Stephen King book and movie opinion that you guys have. Well, it sounds like your dad's a pretty smart cookie. And that's where I come in. <laughs> I I think The Shining, it changes stuff, but what they take is a concept, and then they make a masterpiece movie out of it. Which, I mean, going back to how you define adaptation, I think that's a good movie, and I think it deserves to be called The Shining, even though it's not quite the same story. I feel like, uh, oh, I'm trying to think of an example, but it's like a, it's a different telling, but the intention is to make you feel uncomfortable. Sure. And, and it definitely I feel does like that. they achieve that, I guess. I think my problem with the, with the movie is that I don't think it got the characters right. And I know you, no, so you have to make some changes. Characters. Yeah. And, and. I guess when I go into an adaptation, like I, you know, you expect some plot changes because, like, you know, they couldn't do the uh, the topiary because they didn't, just technology at the time and, and budget. Um, which, so fine, okay, so they do a hedge maze instead. But just like the way they changed all of the characters, especially uh, uh Jack and Wendy, it just it just didn't work for me. I'm just like the whole time I'm just like it's like. Like watching this movie, you know, it's wearing the skin of a book, but it's not, you know, it's, it's an imposter kind of thing. And that's that's a fair opinion. Um, but that's what makes you cheap. Mm-hmm. 
just to just to change gears real quick, I have two examples of what I think are good and bad adaptations. But the result is the movies are bad and good, respectively. Okay. And that's uh, Warcraft and the Super Mario Brothers movie. Okay. I've definitely seen Warcraft, so... Have you seen Mario? I have not. Well, let's talk about Warcraft first, because you used to play World of Warcraft for a while, right? Yep. And... I mean, I think that movie did a very good job of being fan servicey and just referencing as many things accurately as they can in a row. Yeah, I mean, freaking like the the uh, hotel or the the inn in um shit. What's the name of that town outside of uh? Oh, Goldshire. Stormwind. Goldshire. Yeah, like it's like there's like a one to one. The lines right in. Yeah, like one to one replica of this fucking inn. 100% accurate to what you see in the game right now. Um, I, I was um, just so like, happy. There's a lot of flyovers of just the maps that you could like trace. Like, yeah, they're going from there, and then they're there, and then they're there. Yeah, that's right. It's all accurate. And they, they kind of reference as many things as they can in a row to just sort of... It, it felt like they were keeping the fans happy on purpose. More there than telling more a story. Yeah, well, and then I feel like that Cadgar they, actually, they, like... Did you see him level up? Yeah. It's it's just kind of... It's weird, and it's funny, and I clapped, but it's also just... I don't think it's a great movie. It's, as much it's not fun a, as it is. It's not a great movie. I really like it. I definitely went out and bought it. Oh, yeah. I got it on my shelf right now. But it's... Uh, I think it's a good adaptation, and it turns out to be a bad movie. And then right next to it on my shelf is Super Mario Brothers. And that is notorious for being just a bad, uh, just disaster that people, you know, they recoil when they hear it. Mm-hmm. But if you watch it objectively, it's actually an okay film. You've, you've never seen it? No. I've seen clips. The, the, it's all kind like, of, the uh, Koopas are horrifying. They're like it's little well, there's a lot of horrifying stuff. It's yeah, it's, it's a really creepy ass movie, and it's far removed from anything that you see in the games. Mm-hmm. Like they they use words like Mario and princess, and a, besides that, they get I don't know. It could be anything. Sure, but uh, that that movie has a very interesting background in how it got made because it just so many people wanted to be involved in the project, and I have to imagine this is what happened to the Hobbit. Where it just kind of it changed hands too many times, and too many people kept coming in and saying, "Hey, uh, I want to, I want to work on this. I could do it better." And they'll they'll step in, they'll rewrite the script, and someone will say, "Oh, I have an idea. Let me throw it in." And it got to the point where too many people touched it, and it wasn't one cohesive project anymore. Yeah, that makes sense. So what happened was they made this weird, uh, dystopian cyberpunk adventure with like some fun characters it's mostly just the two brothers against the world but it's entertaining along the way and if you can if you kind of think of it as not mario brothers and it's just its own movie it becomes this charming movie from the 80s that you know should be a little more fun or early 90s i guess but 
because it has the name Super Mario on it, people are kind of like, like, oh, that's not the Mario I know, and they call it a bad movie. But really, it's just it's a bad adaptation. But if you give it a shot, it's actually kind of fun. I've I've uh I can't I'm trying to think of like examples, but I've definitely run into that before where. It's like if you take the property name away from it, it's pretty good. But because it's part of the property, it's got a lot of baggage that comes with it and a lot of very big expectations. Well, uh, we mentioned before the show, but we were talking about Star Trek. And, yeah. Uh, like they did the reboot, and it seemed like the reboot reviews were all really charged with whether or not you're a real Star Trek fan and not whether or not it's a good movie. Yeah, that's. I think that's fair. But I also feel like the new Star Trek movies didn't really feel like Star Trek. At least the Star Trek I've watched where it's more about politics and kind of like the mystery of the thing and not action. And I know that oh, the third one watched, especially... You watched the wrong Star Trek, so you should watch original. I, actually, I've seen, punching people. I've seen the original more than I've seen The Next Generation. But what I've Kirk's seen in the next like generation kissing is, women and punching dudes. Yeah. And that's how the galaxy gets saved. I like Kirk more than Picard, but I think the next generation is like better science fiction and b- better written. And so there's a certain level of it's like if I want to see if I'm going into Star Trek, I'd almost prefer that instead because I think it makes for something different that's out there. It's not another punching bad guys and kissing women set in space. It's there's you know some more politics and, and thought to it. That's boring, and you're boring. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. And I do think the acting in those movies is just legit awful. I disagree, but and like like I said before, I can't actually provide evidence that supports my opinion. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, you might be right there. I feel like with the third one, I saw that four or five months ago now. Um, was it Bones as the doctor? Yeah. He he was my favorite he's my character. He's my favorite. Yeah, he's funny. His he, You could tell, though, like, all of his lines from the show, they were just trying to force into the movie, so it's Bones. And most of them had no context. He would just say them, and he would try to sound yeah, pissed off, but it didn't work. There's a little bit of that. I mean, I feel like uh, Chekhov got the most uh, interesting lines. Yeah. And then it's like, it's really sad that uh, he had to pass away. The movie was fun. It had some great spectacles. So yeah, going back to the point, if you took the Star Trek name off it, like if they called it Galaxy of Adventure, and then it was the same movie shot for shot, would you think it was better? It's hard to say. I'm not like super tied down to Star Trek, but I suppose without those expectations... Of, uh, you know, this is what I want out of Star Trek, and then this isn't what I'm getting. Like, yeah, I might have liked it a little more as kind of a really high, high-ass budget B-movie sci-fi thing. Of course, the downside there is if you don't call it Star Trek, no one would, you know, get out no one goes and to see, see it. it. So it's like, you know, we're stuck in this nostalgia culture where everything has to be based on an 80s property. Oh, I got a... Have you ever seen the movie Dagon? No. It's not surprising. I don't think anybody's really seen that fucking movie. But it's um it's based off a Lovecraft story called A Shadow Over Innsmouth. And it's um it's a really weird horror movie because it tries to do 
Lovecraftian horror and for the most part does it, but it's also tonally all over the fucking place because it, it's got to like adapt this novella to a full-length movie and make the characters actually likable and also have more than one in there. And it mostly fails at making the characters likable, and so it's kind of just funny. And I really, really enjoyed that movie, even though I think it's probably a really bad adaptation and it's probably a bad use of Lovecraftian horror. But it tried so fucking hard, and you could tell everyone was having so much fun, and so it was just kind of infectious. That's a that's a good one too, or I mean, a good example, really. And it's weird where um, movie came out. Uh, what was it? Uh, the Cure for Wellness came out earlier this year, which was also Lovecraftian horror, and done, I think, a lot more in the spirit of a Lovecraft book. And fuck, that thing was like so long and it was kind of a slog and it it just wasn't i don't think i don't think that it was that it wasn't that good like everything about it was competent like it was well shot it was well acted but it felt really boring because it was almost too much what it wanted to be like it didn't do anything new and then it was also you know 20 minutes too long oh okay not to not to go backwards too much but i was just reminded uh Last week we talked about Maximum Overdrive, mm-hmm. which was directed by Stephen King. Yep, and that's an awful adaptation. I don't know if that's an adaptation or if that he wrote that to be a movie. No, it's based on a short story he wrote called Trucks. Oh, okay. And in Trucks, it's it's a lot more spooky because it's this gas station out in the middle of nowhere. And they're getting attacked by some trucks that are just, they're driving themselves. And the people don't know what's going on. And it's kind of scary that these machines are after them. And what they find out is, uh, they finally figure out that the trucks just want to be refueled. And so they finally, like, kind of cave in and start fueling up the trucks. And then more trucks show up. And they, like, form a line to be refueled. And it, it ends with them, uh thinking like well eventually we're gonna run out of gas what happens then and then a uh, truck shows up to refill the gas huh and while it's doing that they look up at the sky and there's an airplane and the last thought of the main character is just kind of wondering are there people on that plane or is that is like the whole world like this now and just kind of ends on this like creepy notion that's cool yeah it's cool and then maximum overdrive uh, Stephen King did a bunch of coke and then thought it'd be cool to have like a slaughter film. <laughs> and it's like, it, it's kind of, it's weird. Uh, <laughs> people seem to nitpick Stephen King movies and then they just like take that one off the shelf and it's like, yeah, we're not going to talk about that one. Stephen King's weird when it comes to movies. He's a, there are ones that he really likes or the ones he directed. And I, I know like he's gone back and he's like really, really sorry for that movie. But um, <laughs> like like the Dark Tower came out this year, which is an adaptation of one of his books, and he was pretty gung ho about it on social media. And that movie was really fucking bad, and it was a bad adaptation of that book. And it was really weird to have him on board with it when it got like everything wrong that it could get wrong. Yeah, that's a that's weird. It's also kind of weird though that. There was a point where Dark Tower was in theaters like practically the same time as it. 
And it's like, Stephen King makes a lot of good stories that people want to make into movies. Mm-hmm. I feel like most Stephen King books I read would be like, oh man, that'd be cool if that was if they made that into a movie. Oh, did he write Pet Cemetery? Yes. That's a good one. I've never seen the movie. I read the book. They kind of changed the ending in the movie a little bit. But I mean, and I think the book was better. But I think overall, that's a very solid adaptation. I'd recommend it. Yeah, it's one. I, 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 one of those I hope to eventually get to. Um, what other? I guess it was like Prince of Persia. You know, we if we go talk video game adaptations because there's been a handful of those. I liked Prince of Persia. I was I was Mo- fine with that movie too. I had fun with it. Most people didn't, but I liked it. It was a, it was, it was a uh, cool fantasy movie. Well, yeah. I mean, if again, if you change the name to like Pirates of the Caribbean uh, Desert Adventure, <laughs> then maybe more people would have liked it. Yeah, probably. But I thought it was fun. Um, Assassin's Creed. That was another story. I never saw that, and I was I kind of wanted to, and then I found out that like. Like a th- only like a third of the movies actually spent as him being an assassin. And they're sort of like, well, what's the fucking point then? It just kind of seemed like a mess. But I'm also not a fan of those games. So sure, I am not either. Or I've never played maybe, any. Maybe yeah. I mean, maybe they appealed to somebody, but I've never heard anyone come up and defend it. Do you think we'll eventually get an Overwatch movie? Ah, uh, yeah, I guess. Because something like that, where there's world building stuff in the in the games, but not like a through line story that I know of. Like, I wonder how you adapt. Well, there's there's a lot of story. I don't. I've never have played you read Overwatch. any of the the um. Have you read any of the comics? I didn't know there were comics. Yeah, there's there's a lot of story, but it's also just kind of GI Joe reruns. Oh, if you want to break it down. That makes sense. It does. I mean, I I think in the context of the game, it's very good. But some people really put it on this pedestal that I don't agree with. There are, there are a lot of comic book adaptations of properties. Video games and movies. Um, Dynamite and IDW are the big two publishers of those. And it's they, they're generally shit. Um, and I don't know, I don't know if it's just cause you're adapting something that's not meant to be experienced this way, or if it's just, they get mediocre writers and, and art. Well, usually the art's really good, but they get mediocre writers. I think most um, of the time, the problem, those are not good is because they're just, uh, advertising tools. Yeah. Like no one, no one said, Oh wait, I have this fantastic story. I really want to write about. Um, Bubsy, because I just I had the story about Bubsy doing this thing, and I'm just inspired to write about it. That doesn't happen. It's like somebody who owns Bubsy goes, "I want to pay someone to make a comic book so that they'll buy the game." Just so that it's there's so like weird. it's out in people's faces. Because I don't know how like for, for like Quake, 
Like, who the fuck's gonna go find a Quake kind of like and be like, oh, I wanna play this video game now? Like, there's no no real story in Quake. There's no characters. You're just killing each other. It's just a, it's an arena shooter. Oh shoot! You know what was good was the Dungeons and Dragons comic. Never read that. They they did this like mini series where it was just kind of a story, and it didn't have to be D and D because it was just kind of like four adventurers going on a generic quest that happened to be D and D labeled. But there were so many neat moments that like I took from the comic book and then adapted into the game that I was running at the time. Oh, wow. Like there was a part where uh, the adventurers are going somewhere and they're trying to take a shortcut through these like woods and a dryad captured everybody. And they're like, well, what do we do? Like, you know, it, it completely overpowered everybody. And then the dwarf um, recites this beautiful poem. And then the dryad leans over to the dwarf and, and she says, I've never heard a dwarf uh, give poetry. Uh, I'll take that as payment. And it released everybody and the dryad like retreated. And the dwarf explained that that was a poem that he wrote for his wife that no one's ever heard before. And that, that made it rare art that was worthy of trade. Huh. And it was oh. this neat concept that was like, oh, shoot, I'm going <laughs> to yeah, work really like that, that into my game somewhere. That's it, cool. It was, and the art was good. The writing was okay. I mean, it was like a, it was a very generic kind of story where the characters are going after a MacGuffin because they want to do X so that Y will happen. Mm-hmm. But along the way, it was actually very entertaining. It felt like reading The Hobbit for the first time. That's uh, I mean, that's a rare feeling to get from a property because you know I remember it reading really *Hobbit* is. for the first time. And you're like, "Oh shit, this is something special." And I can't remember what run that was because I think D and D has done like several things. Like, look up the D and D movie. That was not inspiring. Mm-hmm. It's um, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking to like properties into video games because that happens enough. Is there is there like a Dungeons and Dragons video game? Because you think there would be. Oh, there's several. There was like an SNES one that was practically a text adventure. Hmm. And then there's like two MMOs going right now. I'm surprised I haven't heard of those. Well, they're just, they're a little generic. Like look up uh, on Steam right now, look up Lords of Waterdeep. That's D&D. Oh, it is? oh so it's not called D&D. Well, it is. It's Dungeons & Dragons Lords of Waterdeep. Oh, okay. And then Lords there should Potter. be another Dungeons Dragons like oh. Legend of Drizzt or something. Oh. I think that's an MMO also. Drizzt. You don't actually pronounce the. Uh, it's not. It's not spelled Drizzt, but anyone who pronounces it the other way is stupid, including the guy who wrote the character. Come on, Salvador. Hey. Drizzt hey. is stupid. Boo. Boo. Good burger. <laughs> you okay? Good Making noises. Oh shit! This oh, is man. like so. <laughs> they're just like, like this a... is a really fucking weird game. Like it's like like a text adventure, but with prettier stuff in it. I'm I'm trying to think of funny adaptations now. Hmm. Have you seen those uh, iPhone games that are based on like Lorecraft and uh, Hitman? No. Those are very good games, and they're pay- they're uh, it's it's uh. Do you know the game Go? 
You know, with the little, little, little black and white tiles, right? Yeah. So they make Lara Croft go and Hitman go. Hmm. Where it's literally an adaptation of the game Go themed around like Lara Croft uh, raiding a tomb or Hitman okay. trying to assassinate someone and escape. Okay, and it's these like clever. puzzle games. It's super clever. Like it's it's maybe the most profitable thing that the company does. Um, it's a little that's a weird adaptation. I like that though. That's that's quirky, but in a I think an interesting way. It's interesting because uh, we got the there's the Lord of the Lord of the Rings game, the um, Shadows of War or whatever the one that the new one. Oh yeah, Shadow of Mordor. Yeah, and there's and. I don't know. Is that the first one or is that the second one? Mordor is the first a couple one, and then Shadow of War is coming up in October. Yeah, and it's one of those things where um, Shelob, the spiders in it, is like the person you do most of your dealings with, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then she like appears to you as like a really sexy elf. Um, yeah, and that's weird because Shelob's a giant fucking spider who hates people. Yeah, but she's. There is technically some canon that comes back that she's actually a magical creature that's sure. capable of doing that. Probably easier that to animate. It's a little unnecessary. It's one of those things it where something like that, I feel like maybe doesn't get the character. Because I feel like the character won't ever do that because she's a fucking big spider that eats people. Like, why would she look like yeah, a person? Yeah, I, I agree. It's a little silly. And, and that's maybe like, that's a dumb, maybe little nitpick. I know we talked about that earlier on in the show, just to. Uh, yeah, but that game, it also, like, you forge a second ring of power. Oh, fuck like that. <laughs> and you, like, you summon a Balrog and use it as a mount that you can ride into combat. Aw, that's. Fuck that. that. That can suck my balls. Yeah. I I'm not Shadow Mordor was a very fun game and the sequel it reminds me of the Hobbit where they're trying too hard to like reference stuff and it's like well what if Legolas was there too that'd be cool right Yeah And to be fair Legolas is fucking dreamy but he doesn't belong So we were talking about Star Trek do you think there are any good Star Trek games I have not played any of them because I think there's a lot of awful ones, but the best one by far is uh, Star Trek Bridge Simulator, like the VR game. Yeah, I've heard really good things about that. Because you sit on the bridge, and you have a dedicated uh, console where you're just tactical, or you're just engineering, or you're the captain... And together as a team, like, the captain gives orders, and engineering puts all power to shields or whatever, because that's what Star Trek is. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, okay, I'm really tired of these weird, like, shooters. They Do you remember when they came out, that cover shooter? A Star Trek one? Yeah, it was like Gears of War, where you're playing really? as Kirk and Spock, and you're just shooting Klingons. Was that like or, a movie um, tie-in? Not Klingons, but they were the lizard dudes. That sounds pretty awful. It was I'm like, guessing it was. It yeah, it was. Um, but look up the commercial because it has uh, William Shatner fighting the uh, Gorn. But like, oh nice, they're in Shatner's living room. So like, the Gorn picks up a pillow in slow motion and like throws it at Shatner, and he falls over. And it's like that fight scene. 
<laughs> that commercial is the best thing about the game by far. Nice. They hit they they hit some lofty heights then. Yeah. And, and going back to like, you kind of need these IP brands to uh, sell something. Yeah. But if they just released an okay game and it was original, I wonder if people would give it a fair shake or not. There are probably not, which sucks. But um, what do you you know? It, it's weird. Like it's like the whole thing. Like Robert Downey Jr. plays Iron Man. But I feel like Iron Man is the thing that brings people to the movies, not Robert Downey Jr. It's one of those properties and things we recognize are, you know, they're the they're the, the things that entice us to go buy stuff. Um, Man, we didn't even talk about comic book movies. No, we didn't. There's a did lot of things like we could Doctor talk about. Did you Strange? No, it was fine. Oh, really? I did. I thought it was fun. I it just, was fun. It was such a Marvel I, movie. I mean, what's well, yeah, it was a little uh, by the books. But when I went to see the Warcraft movie, I went straight home and logged on to my my uh, wizard in Warcraft, and then I did the exact same thing after Doctor Strange came out. Like something about it just like strikes a chord. But it's like, yeah, I want to wear a pointy hat. Woo, lasers! The weird thing with Doctor Strange is I read the um. Because they relaunched the comic series for the movie, and so I read the first issue. Right. And the first issue sucked, because it was a Marvel book. Oh. And and then I was really disappointed when the movie was like, oh, it's following the, the comic book pretty closely. <laughs> that's, a, that's a sad statement to make. Yeah. Oh, boy. One other adaptation thing I want to talk about, too, is Dragon Ball Xenoverse. <laughs> not to okay. risk like going that's... on for another 20 minutes no you're right but that's a that's a good we have to talk about that while we're on because the subject dragon ball xenoverse i think is a fucking amazing adaptation of dragon ball z to a point and then it goes off script and then it gets kind of shitty but and through the frieza saga I've, I don't think I've had like that much fun in a game in a very long time when that came out. I was I was so happy. Well, I mean, you've seen uh, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, right? I've seen commercials for it. Yeah, the one coming up. Mm-hmm. It it just they capture the visual style and the just the kinetic energy and everything, and it's like okay, these guys get it. And if you want to talk about a bad adaptation. Uh, do you want to talk about Dragon Ball Evolution? Oh, fuck. <laughs> that <laughs> is like my favorite bad laugh. movie. It's, it's something else, isn't it? Oh, God. The guy that plays Yamcha like, is he, such a stupid douche. He doesn't punch anyone. Yamcha does not fight once in the whole movie. No, he doesn't. And then Bulma's got guns and Yamcha doesn't fight anyone. And there's no Krillin. I, and I actually... Like, I literally, um, I played the game based on the movie. Oh, Jesus. And Yamcha's special attacks all involve him, like, taking out that giant power drill he used to, like, break away rock once. Mm-hmm. Like, there's one scene where he uncovers a dragon ball with a drill. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, what his fighting style in the game was. Oh, that's great. No wolfing fist. Nothing martial arts it's just like he's some guy it's like the guys making the game didn't even know what dragon ball was 
even worse so than the guys making the movie. There's something special about that movie. There is. I remember when I went, there was a guy wearing, like, not really a costume, but he was wearing Goku's, like, orange shirt. Okay. And he was sitting in the front row, and (laughs) the the credits were playing, and I walked down the stairs, and I'm walking away. Everyone in the theater's gone, and he's just sitting there, center, front row, and the look on disappointment, like, he was so, he was hurt. Oh man, that poor like, guy. That man was hurt, and I felt sorry for him. Like I almost wanted to pat him on the shoulder and like buy him a drink or something, because you could tell it just it cut him. Like he might not enjoy Dragon Ball anymore after this. It was upsetting. That's too bad. That, I mean, that movie. Oh fuck, that movie's a disaster. But it, it's so. I remember. Really, really enjoying the the time I watched that movie, and it's one of those things where like, it's so bad it's good. Like it, it does that thing. Oh, it really is. I love bad movies. I can put up with man I... with bad movies a lot better than anyone else I know, other than you, I guess. If you actually love them, but well, have you watched a talking cat? No. But have it... you watched Fateful Findings? No. Okay, we should have a movie night. We could try that. You, I feel you like and I, I regret we, it. <laughs> we should watch Fateful Findings. And, uh, I mean, honestly, I think you would have a hoot. If you like bad movies. My thing with bad movies is I'm okay with watching them because I know it's not a huge time investment. But there does come a point where, you know, I might turn it off. But very rarely. Well, did you read that study they did that intellectual people like bad movies? Hmm, I know I didn't. I mean, I love bad what, movies because I'm intellectual. Yeah. What they <laughs> found was uh, it's it's like this weird kind of experience to watch a bad movie because you can dissect what's wrong and think about what would make it better. And you can acknowledge the failure and look it straight in the eye and analyze it. Sure. In a way where, like, if a movie's bad and you're dumb, you'll look at it and go, I don't want to watch that. But if you see a train wreck and you want to know what could have happened, like, how how could we have prevented Dragon Ball Evolution? And you kind of think about it while you're watching the movie, where it's like, what was the point of that scene? Why did they write that? Like, I mean, there's one part where Bulma literally says, like, uh, she gets the dragon radar and she calls it a DBE or something because that's like the abbreviation and she's yeah. like huh that's a good title and you can tell that they meant to title the movie dbe because everything was like movie letters at the time yeah and it was just so sad and forced and it like it makes me laugh every single time i watch it i guess i remember i remember thinking that when i was watching alien covenant which i do think was a very bad movie um like the idea of doing a gothic horror movie with a xenomorph in it, I think is fucking cool. It's like, hold that thought. That's a good thought. And it's just like, oh, everything about the execution was bad. <laughs> there are concepts in that movie, for sure. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why it's so disappointing, is because there's really good ideas, and they're just poorly executed. Yeah, and thinking about them, that, that's a fun exercise. Mm-hmm. 
do you ever get the urge to like write basically fan fiction? I well, yeah, I do. I do too, and I wish I, I wouldn't, and I don't. But I have the ideas, and it they're sometimes they're hard to fight away. Well, I do a lot of uh, like I do a lot of role playing on Warcraft, mm-hmm. which is kind of fan fiction. Yeah, I suppose it's like you know I have my character, and it's in a world that somebody else set, but I'm writing totally new stories. Yeah, and that kind of scratches that itch for the most part. Never in my life that I want to like write alien fan fiction more than when I walked out of Alien Covenant. I was like, I can do this better. <laughs> you should, though. I mean, I think most fan fiction has the connotation of it being like sad and like mm-hmm. teenagers trying to get their sexual feelings out. And but if you actually fair, wrote a good story, kind of oh, how yeah. I view it. Partly because when I was in high school, I did write, you know, like Metroid fan fiction and shit like that. Well, and that's mostly what fan fiction is anyways. I mean, it's not a wrong interpretation. No. I remember when Prometheus came out and people hated that movie too, going to like an Aliens uh, website to talk about it. And someone was like, I wrote a script for the sequel that I'm going to send to Ridley Scott. And like, the, it basically opens up with like, the last movie was a dream. We're going to start over. And I was just like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, you are so unhappy you wrote this, and you're actually going to try and mail that to Ridley Scott, who is guaranteed to never see it. <laughs> also, fuck you, your ideas oh. are horrible. <laughs> uh, real real quick, like we're, it's almost time to wrap up. Yeah. But what did you think of uh, Superman versus Batman? Dawn um, of Justice. God, that was a dreary-ass movie. I feel like if they edited it differently, it could have like, been. I good. feel like there were two movies. Yeah. And they kind of focused on the wrong parts. Um, I was a little upset with the casting for Lex Luthor. Oh, man. I love Lex then, Luthor in that movie. Well, he, he won me over. Like, yeah, when he they was announced great. it, I was like, what are they doing? And then watching the movie, like when he's like laughing at Superman that has to like kneel to him, it's like, mm-hmm. whoa, this is the first time I've liked a Lex Luthor in film. And then the same thing with uh, with Bruce Wayne. This is the first Bruce Wayne I've ever liked. There's other good Batmans, but I've never seen a good Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And it's like, oh, shoot, they had the pieces to make a good movie, and it was frustrating that they dropped it. Uh, blame Snyder. I do, too. I remember watching that movie and coming out of it going, you know, because I, I, I didn't see it in theaters, so I had all of the, this movie fucking sucks, you shouldn't watch this, you know, in my head going in. I'd be like, that wasn't the train wreck people thought it was, but I don't know if I have yeah. any really redeeming things I can say about it. It wasn't great, but it had moments, it had a lot of fantastic scenes, like just visual shots. Scott Snyder knows um, what he's doing in that regard. Yeah, that might be he needs the to only stay thing away he knows from a script. Yeah. But there were... I don't know. I, I hope Justice League is fun, but the trailer doesn't look like it. I feel like the trailer looks like it's fun, but it I, also feels like it might be misleading. Like, all the fun bits are in the trailer, and everything else is going to be a dreary mess. Now, we're talking about a movie based on a comic book. 
where the comics are bad and they're adapting that into a bad movie, does that mm. make it a good adaptation? Maybe technically? That's a really That's good question. That's an interesting thought. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what to do there. Listeners at home, uh, write in uh, at Dumbledore69 at yahoo.com <laughs> and let, <laughs> let me know what you think. Um, it's about time we close out. Yeah, so probably. Let's do Glad Space. Okay. Do you have anything nice to share? Fuck no. I keep forgetting this is a thing we do. <laughs> <laughs> I I have a My Little Pony journal with like all sorts of nice things listed on it. It's just for this moment. I gotta go to I Target on the MLP journal. Hey, which character's on the cover? Or is it all of them? I think it's just... No, it's just Twilight. I couldn't find Rarity. Aw. She's become best pony since the season's gone to shit. <laughs> That's, I don't want to get... Let's save that for another show. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know if I want to do that. I don't know if I want to embarrass myself that much, but I got fucking opinions on season seven of My Little Pony. God damn. <laughs> okay. So, oh, no. You have to say something nice. That's the rule. I'm looking at my change jar on my dresser and going, I'm kind of glad that thing's there. Because, well, you know, you it's Be- cool. Like, like once a year, it fills up, and I take it to a bank, or in this case, a coin star, because my bank's cunty. I don't do that shit anymore. And then I get, like, 50 bucks, because it holds about 50 bucks at loose change. And so it fills up, so and it's like, oh, cool, home. I got, like, free money, because you know, it just... Just appreciate your change. Yeah. Like, That's it, a good glad space. Yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. Don't throw it away. You know, pennies add up, as silly as that sounds. Yeah, appreciate every penny. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Uh, I want to recommend everybody go to card.com, and you can get a Visa card with My Little Pony on it now. That's a new promo they're doing for You the did movie. send that to me. Yeah. Man, if I needed one, I would probably do that and then be extra embarrassed with myself, but I have a pretty decent I, capital I would get one rarity. Card. And I'm gonna like I'm gonna walk into the Target and go, yeah, I'm gonna buy uh, all these Magnum condoms. Pull that out of my wallet. <laughs> I'm gonna get some crazy looks because people are gonna try to figure out, well, which is it? Good night, everybody. Good night, indeed. That was a good way to end the show. Fuck. <laughs> Oh no, no I'm, never mind, I'm dumb. I'm looking at, like, I have, the, I have a credit card I gotta activate, and I don't have the old version, and I pulled out, I think, the old version, but I was like, oh no, I have two cards from this place, because it's my bank. One's a credit card, one's a debit card. So I'm holding, so never mind. Because I tried to activate it, and I was like, you need your old card, or you have to talk to someone. And I was like, I'll talk to someone. It's like, it's after four. No one's working at a bank, because we're a bank. Like, fuck you. Dirty slut. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop this now.